0: From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to talk money and politics with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore, Freedom Works and Heritage Foundation and Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline, and his great radio show, More Money which will play on many of these same stations right after this show. Welcome back, Steve. Thank you, Liz. Great to have you back. Um, kids, I just want to say one quick thing. Um, James Buckley passed away mm. uh, Friday the age of 100. Uh, I-, I knew Jim Buckley rather well, not as well as Bill. It was Bill Buckley's brother, obviously. He was a great, um, a ma- a great man, a great conservative leader, Uh, He was a U.S. senator. Uh, He was a diplomat in the State Department. uh, And he was a federal judge for many, many years. In fact, he was a federal judge right up until the end. So I I want to say, please rest in peace. This was truly a great American and a wonderful human being. A wonderful human being. Um, Just the politest, most gracious man you'll ever meet. Uh, But he had sturdy, strong... Unbendable conservative principles. I don't know if either of you knew Jim Buckley, but I wanted to say that there's a very good Wall Street Journal editorial about him uh, in the paper this morning. So,
1: yeah, can I? I'll actually add something to that, Larry. I grew up in Sharon, Connecticut, which of course was the oh, home base for the entire wow. uh, Buckley family. In fact, huh. we grew up next door to each other. Mm. Uh, and Jim Buckley actually ended up buying my parents' house oh. uh, because that was very convenient for his family to kind of be able to go back and forth. But I, I couldn't second your thoughts more enthusiastically. He was such a nice guy. The whole, I mean, we were close to the whole family, uh, John, Bill, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jim, and in some ways was the most approachable kind of level-headed, not mm. uh, a big publicity hound, Mm. Uh, and just a really decent guy. So I agree with you. I was sad to see the news. Liz, you
0: never told me about this Sharon Connecticut stuff. This is all new information.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, well, that was uh, it was not... a wonderful place to grow up. No one locked their doors. It was kind yeah. of a, you know, yeah. it was a very nice community.
0: Sharon's not too far from where I am in an undisclosed location in the same state. <laughs> 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 uh I want to raise another point. Uh, I guess I'll go to Steve on this, but there's a terrific story. Um, breaking news. Nobel Prize winning scientist blows the whistle. Mm. Just listen to this, kids. I, I don't know this guy. Dr. John Clauser right? has now officially put his name to the World Climate Declaration, which states that, quote, there is no climate emergency, end quote. Clouser sent shockwaves through the global boiling alarmism industry by declaring that the climate crisis narrative is a hoax. Now listen to this. This guy is the co-winner of the 2022 Nobel Physics Prize and one of the world's leading authorities on quantum mechanics, and he blasted climate emergency claims as a dangerous corruption of science that threatens the world's economy and the well-being of billions of people. Now I got to get this. I got to find this guy and put him on the TV show. But I, uh, I any of you know about this uh, this guy and and this uh, uh,
2: world climate declaration? Yeah, Larry, we had a, a story in the hotline about this a couple of weeks ago. And oh, you did. It's a re- that- it's a very important story, Larry, because wow. what's happening here is that any time any scientist dares to, to question the conventional wisdom and the narrative of the climate change alarmists, they become uh, the, muzzled, basically. And so this scientist who won the Nobel Prize was invited to one of these major science conferences, and as soon as he st- started casting doubt on some of the things that the climate change alarmists were saying – got completely disinvited. Now, mm-hmm. why is that important? Because when the left keeps saying ninety-eight percent of scientists believe that there's climate change and it's man-made, that's because they don't let anyone who is who dares to, you know, doubt this stuff. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't let them have a voice. Huh.
1: And and by the way, that the the fallout from this unit, this fake unanimous opinion, is really profound. I don't know if you guys read the editorial about. Maui and the wildfires yep. and why yep. uh yep. how this headlong rush towards renewables which by the way yep. is all predicated on the climate change emergency actually yep. may have been the problem uh in in, in yep. uh, this wildfire going out of control because the utility had not spent any money right. at all on protections yep. against such a fire so mm. you know billions of people might starve because of the idiotic approaches that they're trying to take i mean you know, I don't, Larry, I don't know how it is that we're going to stop this thing or slow this progressive freight train towards renewable energy, which is going to really hurt this country. And I think all countries, uh, by the way, in Europe, they have already slowed it down <laughs> right. because they've actually felt the effects of it. But it's really not. Steve is right. If voices against this uh, orthodoxy are, are suppressed, it's just like covid. Then they don't exist. They're basically persona non grata. It's extremely alarming.
2: Well, there's another part of there's another part of the story that's really important. So, we had now uh, major forest fires last year in California, and we had obviously major major forest fires this year in Canada, and we a lot of us in the United States felt the effect of that through the uh, smog that it caused over our skies. Now here's the here's a really interesting factoid that nobody likes to report. That the amount of carbon that has been emitted into the atmosphere from the forest fires in California and Canada have negated every single green energy and anti-climate initiative by the left for the last 20 years. Hmm. In other words, if they just spent one-tenth as much money to manage the forests and do, you know, clearages so that you wouldn't have these forest fires, we wouldn't even have had to be talking about wind and solar power at $200 billion a year to that industry.
0: You know this guy, John Clauser? I never met him. <laughs> Quantum mechanics, Nobel Physics Prize. I mean, I'm reading his article. It's the damnedest thing. Well, here's, a, here's another quote. Misguided climate science has metastasized into <laughs> massive shock journalistic pseudoscience. <laughs> Liz, you got to get on this. This is unbel- I'm yeah. going to send you this article. I'm going to send this to both of you. It's an unbelievable I think, article.
1: I, I think the problem is honestly the ship has sailed. Can you imagine trying to get all the talking heads on CNN or oh my God, Bloomberg, which is like so dug in on climate change, mm-hmm. is it's a religion to them? I don't know how you ever turn the boat around. And I, I, you know, honestly, I despair at this because it's again, it's like the COVID restrictions and shutdowns on information it causes real damage and nobody is courageous enough except thank heavens the occasional scientist who might actually know what he's talking about to really confront it i it's and anyway yes send it to me because well, i love I stories like this well listen but, this know. is
0: you know it's like steve Koonin, uh, who was so good on this stuff and you know Koonin is a, th- a theoretical physicist he didn't win a nobel prize he was Obama's chief energy science, energy department science scientist uh, a while ago. But this is really, in- and I might say, when I spoke with uh, Trump this week in the interview, he spent a lot of time on this. This was a major point. Um, he, you know, he tied it to inflation. He tied it to national security. And he also, Steve, one point, uh, former President made. he said Americans should have choice, don't tell them what they can't have, you know, with gas-powered cars and shower heads and all the rest of that stuff, micro We need to be able to have choices.
2: It's part of freedom. And, boy, is that a winning message politically and economically, to let mm. people decide for themselves. I mean, the idea, remember the left's mantra used to be keep the government out of the boardroom and the bedroom, and now they want to regulate every single thing in your bedroom, what thermostat mm. is set at and, and what kind of stove you're using and Uh, you can't use your air conditioner too often. Um, So people are very upset about this. And the one thing they're really upset about, Larry, because Americans have a love affair with their cars. Mm. The idea that the government's going to tell you what kind of car you can buy, that's not going to go over well (laughs) in middle America. And
1: they are. That's what they're moving towards. That's an
0: unbelievable thing. I mean, think about that. So what, in five years, six, seven years, (laughs) there are no gas-powered cars? People are going to go nuts over that.
1: Well, and I think the auto industry is going to be looking really sad because people are going to want to continue to buy the used cars and still operate the way they like and are there familiar with them. Uh, I don't this whole headlong rush to only electric vehicles. At least they should be including hybrid. Right. I mean, those cars seemed Mm -hmm. to be sort of a happy compromise, but there is no compromise. These are zealots. These are people I've likened the Biden White House. And the energy industry sort of aficionados that they're working with as being like children of toys. They don't really know what the outcome of all this is going to be. There's no long term plan. It, it's just haphazardly putting pieces together and hoping it all turns out well. It's not going to turn out well. Well,
0: John Katz, you know, and I, the, the story last week or the week before, uh, Ford Motor Company lost four and a half yeah. some odd billion dollars on their electric vehicles, including their electric trucks. And now the CEO of Ford, Liz, you're an old Wall Streeter. The CEO of Ford is just basically saying, I was wrong, I was wrong. And now yeah. they're going to try to switch to hybrid to change their yeah. whole business plan.
1: Yes, because they should be. <laughs> it's Remember, just before the Soviet Union split up, Remember the cars they were making? I think it was called the Hugo or something. And it was a centrally planned car that nobody wanted. And so what happens in that situation? They produce it, and they produce it, and it sits on the lot and rusts because nobody wanted it. Well, that's what we're going to end up with, Ford Motor, all these electric vehicles, which nobody wants. It's crazy.
2: There's a parallel story here, Larry, that, that's right up your alley, which is, you know, we saw the uh, bankruptcy of this uh, Electric battery yeah. bus company. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's about a hundred million dollars taxpayers have lost. And people have to understand that what's going on, that John Podesta, uh, uh yes. you yes. guys both know John, who John Podesta yes. is. He ran the Obama campaign. He's I, a, know he's a smart, I know him personally. I know Yeah, he's personally. a very smart political guy, yeah. but he is running inside the, the, uh, the White House, hmm. a, I don't know, 250 billion dollar, uh, hedge fund. Basically, right. where he's passing out money to these, uh, to, the, to all of these green energy firms. And I guarantee you, virtually every one of these firms that's getting this money is a big donor to the Democratic Party. And so he was asked, well, how, you know, what's going on here? You know, you're passing out all this money and these companies are going bankrupt. And, you know, you're going to have some bankruptcies. You know, nobody bats a thousand. But this is outrageous. This is government. This is like fascism where the government decides where investment yeah. capital goes. Did you say yes. slush fund? It is a slush fund.
0: <laughs> All right, <I> got, <laughs> it is. I, I gotta take a quick break. I mean we're,
2: look, it'd be fine if somebody <laughs> like Liz were running this program, but John <laughs> How much money is it? I, I'm I, I don't know the well a remember the inflation billion. rate. It's a couple How much hundred is it? billion it? I think it's yeah, a couple something hundred like
0: billion that. dollars. I would give Liz a couple of hundred billion dollars.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I would just have a good idea about what to do with it.
0: Liz P., Fox News contributor, <laughs> syndicated columnist, Steve Moore, committee to unleash prosperity hotline, and the host of More Money on many of these same stations right after this show. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We are talking <clears throat> money and politics with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated <coughs> columnist, Dan Steve Moore, Freedom Works, and Heritage Foundation, and the Committee <coughs> to Unleash Prosperity Hotline, and the host of the radio show More Money, which plays right after this show on many of these very same stations. Now I've got this op-ed piece. Actually, it's not really an op-ed piece. It's a fabulous temper tantrum by Liz Peake about Joe Biden's attitudes toward business. This is Liz Peake of Sharon, Connecticut, as we learned today. <laughs> here's Joe. Ba- here- now, this is wonderful stuff. Joe Biden saying corporate profits are coming back down to earth. The excesses are being eliminated by the corporations. Liz calls this Biden's anti-business mindset, reminds her of the Obama years. And then she goes on to talk about regulations under Joe Biden. This is from the Casey Mulligan stuff, Steve. Under Joe Biden, uh, per household, increase costs $9,600, mm-hmm. call it ten grand increase, whereas Trump... Uh, lowering regs, reduce the cost to the average household by 11000 bucks, So that's a $20,000 swing. Liz said Trump talked quite a bit about this in my interview. Uh, what made you write this beautiful temper tantrum? This is really a nice one.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I was reading uh, Joe Biden's speech he just made on the anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act. Oh. And by the way, I want to just tell you both. I just found online... Podesta's spending slush fund three hundred and seventy billion dollars. <laughs> oh that's, that's not nothing, right? Can you imagine?
0: That's a lot of money. That's a so lot anyway,
1: money. in reading this in reading this his speech, which I always enter, I'm always entertained by, um, the 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 number one reason we've seen inflation fall by two thirds without losing jobs is that corporate profits are coming back to earth. The excesses are being eliminated. So my view is if in Biden world, if corporate America goes bankrupt, we're going to be in really good shape. Uh, I mean, it's just the stupidest thing, but it is because the people surrounding him, longtime Democrat operatives, think, A, they need to pass the buck because Americans uh, think that too much spending led to inflation and Democrats cannot own that because they are the party of big spending. Uh, so they need a culprit and the culprit is, Corporate profits, but I mean, what a bizarre kind of thing to talk about. And but anyway, that's not so important. What really is important is this regulatory onslaught that the uh, government has voiced. And, and Steve, your guys really did a good job on this. Uh, it's really important, and I think it's been under uh, under uh, reported that this is really slowing down our economy and will do much more of that in the in the years to come. Yeah,
2: there's. By the way, that's really important. But there's something, uh, Liz, that's actually a lot more important than even that, which is that a little birdie told me, and I hope this is not misinformation, that this is Larry Kudlow's birthday.
1: Oh Oh, my goodness! Exactly. Is that
0: true,
1: Larry? Are you fifty-nine? Happy birthday. (laughs)
0: Is it true? Tomorrow.
1: Happy
0: birthday tomorrow. Tomorrow. I don't count them anymore. It's way too hard. (laughs) (laughs) But profits are the mother's milk of stocks and the lifeblood of the economy. That's an important point. Democrats hate profits. They hate corporations. They hate business. This is the most anti-business administration in history, worse even than Obama. I mean, Liz's point here is very, very important. And the regulatory burden, Steve, adds to the burden on profits. Look at, think of it this way. You're a company. If you don't make money, how are you going to hire people? If you don't make money, aka profits, how are you going to increase wages? And, you know, remember Jack Kemp used to always say the trouble with Democrats is they love employees. They just hate the employers. And that's really what this is. And it's a perfect well, example of it, Steve.
2: Yeah, that's true. And this war against profits is so devious and sinister because, I mean, let's face it. The profit motive is the greatest invention in the history of the planet. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. I mean, yes. profits are wonderful things. Yes, uh, Liz, I love profits and I hate losses. <laughs> mm. And so, uh, look, everything that we have, everything that we have is a result of the profit motive and the profit motive has done you know more to reduce poverty around the world than every Mm -hmm. government program in the history of mankind so why i mean i agree with liz these people are dingbats to think that you know they want to bring profits down that's going to bring the country down
0: i believe it's called free free market capitalism
1: That's their plan. And, and Larry, the the other ingredient in this is profits lead to investment, as you said. Investment leads to productivity increases, which means wage increases. So you can't really be for the little guy, the working class American, unless you believe in profits. I mean, that's that's what drives their welfare. So oh,
2: it's, Liz, 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 this is an old fashioned idea. We now have John Podesta who's going to be driving. No, I know. I know. I <laughs> we mean, don't need companies. <laughs> we need a zero
0: corporate tax. We need a zero <laughs> corporate tax. Just there abolish the corporate tax all the love. I got to explore this. 370 billion, Liz, is that what you said?
1: 370 billion dollars. And I was reading an article in The New York Times about it and talking about how it was such a challenge because the scope of it is so enormous and rarely have governments ever undertaken such a challenge. No, the Soviet Union undertook (laughs) such a challenge. China (laughs) undertook such a challenge. Liz Peek and Steve Moore,
0: love you both. Thanks, kids. Folks, I'm Kudlow. That's it for today. We will be back next weekend. Thank you. Happy birthday.